Jiu-Jitsu is hard, pure and simple. Day in and day out, people from diverse backgrounds walk into Jiu-Jitsu gyms looking to start classes. Unsurprisingly, Jiu-Jitsu has close to a 90% attrition rate for new students. So who are the 10% that make it through the first couple months and continue to train? What drives them to continue through brutal workouts that involve contorting into a human sweat pretzel? In season one of Jiu-Jitsu is Hard, we're talking to people who did just that. My name is Katie Erickson, and I will be your host for this podcast. I am a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and co-owner of Northwest Martial Arts here in Coos Bay, Oregon. Welcome to Jiu-Jitsu is Hard. What's up, my human sweat pretzels? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Jiu-Jitsu is hard. My name is Katie, and we're friends now since we're in episode three, and I can probably lay off introducing myself every single time now. Um, but I'm really excited. My guest today is going to provide an incredible amount of insight into jiu-jitsu and life. I'd say that this guy here has some of the most diverse interests in a person that I've ever known. Welcome to my friend, Jesse Holmberg. Hey, Jesse. Hey. Hey. Thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited we could be here today. Um, welcome in. This is our third show, obviously, on the podcast. Um, and we're here in the closet. I hang out here. I've been hanging out in here without actually redoing it. Because um, I kind of a little bit like it. But like we were talking about kind of when we got in here, I really feel like this might be the podcast studio space that is like, it feels, it's going to feel like a vortex. Like you're going to walk in and this is the place you're going to be. Um, but it's a little bit comfortable still, though, because I feel like there's pillows everywhere or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I got super excited today that you text me and said that you wanted to chat. Um, I love a good, like, spontaneous, hey, I'm ready to go, because I'm kind of a spontaneous person myself. So uh, yeah, me too. this is what I've been looking yeah. forward to. <laughs> so the first thing I want to get down to, and I've been doing this with every single person, is I want to find out who Jesse Holmberg is was before he was exposed to jiu-jitsu and that could have been a really long time ago right yeah, or yeah. or it could be more recent it varies with all these different people i'm talking to so who were you where did you grow up what was that like you know about your family anything that you want to share with us just start sure. telling us about you all right um i grew up basically in newport oregon i went to high school there um i ended up coming to Coos Bay right out of high school because of the uh, community college here plus I'm a big-time surfer so um, surfing my whole life on the Oregon coast I ended up in Coos Bay a lot and and I made friends here so before I even graduated high school I had friends here and uh, kind of my whole life has revolved around this place ever since I was like 16 years old, so um, that's uh, me getting through high school. Um, I found an interest in aviation um, my senior year and decided I wanted to go to flight school. They actually had a flight school in uh, Coos Bay at the North Bend Airport, and um, so I came down here to go to flight school that year. Um, uh, would have been my first year of college and um, but that flight school went bankrupt so I ended up not doing it uh, at that time um, 
Didn't stop you though. Did not stop me. <laughs> no, but some some things that happened then. I was um, I got a job with Horizon Air, who was uh, flew in here four times a day to Portland, and I had flight benefits and I had health insurance. I think all these good things were happening to me um, at that time. So I ended up staying. I worked for that airline for five years before I finally said, uh, "I'm 23 now. I should probably." finish what I wanted to do which was go to flight school so at 23 I left Coos Bay I went to New Mexico and uh, learned to fly down there for uh, two years um, after that I got my first airline job um, and moved back to Coos Bay so um, but that airline took me all over the place I ended up uh, commuting to Chicago for a year out of here and then um, I moved to Hawaii and uh, I spent four years in Hawaii and that was my first time I got exposed to jiu-jitsu. Oh, so you got exposed to jiu-jitsu in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, me I remember, um, I think it was around 2012, so almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, Austin, you know my son Austin was, uh, I think he was 10 years old. Um, he's 20 now, so that makes sense. But, um, you know, I was, I was looking, I had always been interested in martial arts, but particularly jiu-jitsu after, you know, watching MMA and, and, the, and the Ultimate Fighting Championship, like all that. And I was like, man, I, I would like to learn this. <clears throat> but interestingly enough, like just the Hawaii, like the surf culture out there, um, me being a white kid from Oregon didn't always get the best waves, you know, fighting the crowd and, you know, I'm not a fighter for one, but, um, <laughs> says the martial artist <laughs> for two. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fighter. <laughs> best line ever. Yeah. But it was like, it was kind of a way to get to know more local people. And, um, so, and I was trying to bond with my son at the same time and, get some exercise outside of surfing so yeah I, I dropped into that school and um, obviously Austin he loved it right away and then I had my first class and I was just like remember the shock of like like whoa like these guys are smashing me <laughs> like this, this is an uncomfortable place being uh, under this big Hawaiian dude yeah and um, and they were super nice and and let me know like hey this is normal and I think that was the first thing I remember just trying to wrap my head around like oh like they actually want me to do this to them too and and I remember when I finally realized that I was like this is gonna be interesting <laughs> yeah you walk into a room of people that you kind of don't know yeah. and suddenly you are face to face or you know in your case underneath of a large Hawaiian dude and you're just smashed there yeah you're just hanging out and yep. that's your first jiu-jitsu experience and how old were you when you took that class uh 32 your very first class of jiu-jitsu was at 32 yeah so you lived a lot of life before you came to jiu-jitsu oh yeah because a lot of people, as you know, when you're looking at world champions, they're what, like 12 now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They come out of the womb a champion, like they just exist that way. Yeah. Like that's what's happening now, right? <clears throat> right. But what I find interesting about your journey in jiu-jitsu is you started when you were 32. 
And that's a very different time in life to be starting. What did you feel like starting that activity at your age? And, and who was around in the academy? Were people your age there? Or did you feel like everyone was there? What was that like? Um, yeah, it was a lot of people my age. Um, there were older people than me. There was a lot of younger people than me. Um, you know, at, at 32, I didn't feel old. Uh, I felt pretty athletic. Um, but I knew I wasn't in that great of shape which was a big reason I, I was trying to get into it. I wanted to find an exercise an activity that I can do that would would help me uh, in my extracurricular activities outside of um, you know at the beach surfing I, I wanted to, to be in better shape so what was it about the exercises that we were doing in like those jujitsu classes that you felt were applicable to you, like your surfing life? Because it sounds like you wanted to get like, you know, super hench for your <laughs> your uh, surfboarding activities. So um, it was, you know, just the warm up, the, the way those guys, uh, it was hard, you know, just, you know, they would do 100 pushups. Uh, as part of the warm-up and you know these bear crawls and shrimping across the mat like all these things that I'd never seen or done before and I was but I would leave <clears throat> like sore and tired and fatigued and I'm like um, this is this is really exactly what I'm looking for this is helping a lot yeah so what I liked what I really liked about uh, the warm-ups when I first started jujitsu and like just the movement that comes with it is that exhaustion that you do get in your body yeah. and you go home at night and you, you know, there's like that, do I want to sh shower, sleep or eat? Like which one of those <laughs> things can I do after jujitsu the fastest? Cause I want to do all three at the same time. <laughs> and then it's just like that moment when your body hits that, hits the bed and like your head hits the pillow at night when you finally go to bed after that class where it's like, Oh, like my bed is like a hug. Like this feels so good. Like my body did so much work. Like, like you just feel that still like, radiating yeah and yeah. then you can't stop I can't stop thinking about jujitsu at night either oh I can't um but the, the I think the biggest draw to me is I've never been like a gym person like um I did I took weight training in high school but it was like it's kind of like hanging out with your friends it's like as an adult going to the gym it's like you versus the weights and it's just like pushing and and there's really nothing um that you have to use your mind for. And that was the thing that really drew me to jujitsu is I like the cerebral side of it where it's like, I'm in this bad position. I'm gonna have to use uh, some form of movement to get out of here. But what am I gonna do in my brain has to figure that out to get out of this position. And um, I just love that about it. And like you said, when you go home, you're, you just can't stop thinking about it because it's like, you can come up with these other ideas that like well maybe I should have done this instead of that and it's like when you leave the gym you don't think about oh I could have pushed that weight you know harder like, <laughs> <laughs> like you push it hard like you yeah. push it or you didn't it's kind of right. like with the with it right like so, yeah yeah I, I like the fact that I'm I'm getting a really great workout but it's like I don't even realize I'm working out yeah and and like then I feel fatigued after I was like man what have I been doing for the past hour like having fun right and, and it goes by I'm, fast yeah it does so when you and Austin walked into the academy so you were 32 how old was Austin at the time he was 10 
And that was his first jujitsu lesson. It was yeah. when he was 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got a picture of him. When his, when his a Gracie Baja gym, so he's got, they issued these gi. Right. They had this tiny little gi, and it was, it was cute. Oh, <laughs> so cute. And um, so, so something that I thought was really interesting um, about you, that when I met you, was that you, uh, Austin is your adopted son, yes. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, like, he's your son, and clearly, right. like, that's clear to everyone. Um, but I've never met somebody that had actually adopted any, like, I've never met anyone that went through an adoption process. Um, what was that like? What, what was all of that? Like, when did you do that? Man, we did that. It was around the same time. Um, maybe a little, maybe like a year earlier. Uh, he was probably eight or nine. And Austin is just, he's kind of like a kid. Like I was there for him as as a stepdad he really needed more than that you know and and I felt like I could fill that role and and be there for him I don't want to say anything negative about other people in his sure. life but you know he, he just needed someone to be there for him and I was already there but like to make it like legal official on paper I think took it to another level for both of us mentally I guess and you know when you don't now you don't have to think about like oh is it real is it not you know kind of mm -hmm. it's like well it's legal like for no, you it was really solidifying yeah 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 that's the word there you go yeah I think <laughs> that that's great and I you know I just think it's like the bond between you all is like y'all are just like one big happy family so when you started um, taking care of Austin how like how young was he when you met Austin um, he was six when um, I first met Jen okay uh, like when we first kind of started dating so uh -huh. yeah so did you meet in Hawaii then no um, I had just left Hawaii and I moved well I hadn't moved back here to oh, okay Bay, but okay I, I had um, Oh, right. <laughs> I, was, I was in between jobs. I just uh -huh. quit one job and was, um, I took a month off and because Jen was working at the airport here uh, where I used to work, she, she actually took my job when I left at flight school. She filled my position. So we had known of each other for a few years, but um, when we actually started dating, um, yeah, Austin was six and I was in between jobs and and then I end up moving back here for full time. <laughs> <laughs> Forever? Yeah. Like but the rest we, of us? We, we ended up moving back to Hawaii uh, a few years later. And that was, yeah, when that all happened. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you're a grandpa now, right? So you have, <laughs> you have a grandpa, uh, you have a grandpa, <laughs> you have a, a grandson. I do. And how's do. that been being grandpa? It's, uh. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a lot. It's it's it's. Um, I don't feel like. Is it like your first like close baby experience? Yeah. Um, I don't know. At forty two, it's, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around that. I'm like, oh, I'm a grandpa, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, I definitely. Braxton is a he's a cool kid, you know. Um, his mom's doing a great job raising him, and, and it's fun to have him around. So <laughs> yeah, he seems like a spunky little individual. He's I can't wait for him to turn five and start jujitsu. Oh, I know, so. I know, and he's got that super light blonde hair. He's so cute. Yeah, such a little cutie. Yeah. Um. So 
I know that, um, you know, you're kind of an entrepreneur type is what I would say. Um, I think you would consider yourself probably as such. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you and I met because, uh, the gym, so, and jujitsu and like, that's how we met. Um, so it's interesting how you had started a jujitsu club here in Coos Bay of all places. And I was thinking, you know, there's never going to be jujitsu in Coos Bay. That sounds wild, right? (laughs) And you had managed to come up with that, set it up, and start some jujitsu around here. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, um, it's a great, great story. So, obviously, I started jujitsu in Hawaii um, ten years ago. Um, me, I, I had done it for maybe six months before um, we actually moved away, and we moved back here to Coos Bay. Um, and obviously there was no jujitsu here at the time. So I didn't do jujitsu um, anymore after we came back. Um, and we lived here for, it must have been like two years before we moved away. And um, <coughs> we actually, I, I, I started at a gym um, in San Luis Obispo, or uh, it was Paso Robles is where the uh, school was down there. <clears throat> and after being away for like two years, I think, um, I was excited to to go back and, you know, I was like, am I even going to remember anything? Yeah, it's been <laughs> a long time. Yeah, and um, the, the school down there just opened up. It was brand new, so it was kind of like a great experience for me because um, the professor was trying to build basically start with a bunch of white belts and uh, there were some other colored belts there as well but like he had this kind of it was this team building you know and um, I had been training down there for it was probably another six months before we decided to move back to Oregon wow Um, so that's a lot of moving yeah that's I, a lot. I, You're a mover I've and a shaker. I moved a lot for for my job. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's kind of slowed things down, jujitsu wise. But um, yeah, when we came back here, I had probably had about a year of jujitsu under my belt, and uh, <laughs> and I admit I was at that point I had really committed to it. Um, I'd been going two a days on my days off down there. And um, I just wanted to to do jujitsu, and I was driving. I ended up driving to Eugene. Um, I dropped into Mike Dewitt's like Tenth Planet School over there. Um, I was just trying to figure it out, and and I was telling Jen, I was like, I I we need to move. I can't I can't live here without jujitsu. Yeah. And um, she's like, oh, like something something will come up, and. Um, I tried CrossFit. My buddy, um, a surfer buddy of mine, Nate, does CrossFit, and I, I, I called him. I said, "Hey, you gonna be at the five thirty class tomorrow morning?" And I said, "I see here on the website it says you can bring a friend." He's like, "He's like, yeah, come along." Like, he's like, "You'll love it." Like, um, I was like, "We'll go, we'll go do CrossFit in the morning, go surf afterwards, and and all this." Yeah. And I went and had the worst experience of my oh, life. Oh, no. And no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I, worse than a bad fitness experience. I was just like, 
it, that was that was when I decided I said you know I'm gonna figure it out I'm gonna I'm gonna do jujitsu and um, I called my professor in California and I'm like I'm like hey like I'm thinking about opening a gym and he was like kind of like I could I could feel him like rolling his eyes like oh like a, through the phone you you're could a feel white it. belt bro like like what are you thinking and I'm like I'm like well I mean you know like he's like well I have confidence in you teaching what 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 you know he's like but don't go beyond that and I'm like yeah I said I don't I don't plan on it. I said I said I've got some friends locally you know we can do seminars and kind of build this I said but I, I need to keep practicing and um, so he kind of he signed off and said 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 yeah just just teach what you know you know and, and um, so we had some drills and, and I knew a lot of things from different positions and it's so funny now looking back and it's like man I, I know exactly what he what he <laughs> meant because I I barely knew anything <laughs> but but the thing is that I find so amazing is you did it anyway yeah. Like you just did it anyway. You didn't care. Yeah. Like there it really seems to me that there was no like uh maybe I will or won't do jujitsu. It's like you found jujitsu, you did jujitsu, and then you were like, Well, this is all I ever want to do. Yeah. And so you made that happen for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not many people do those things. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Yeah. So when you asked to open the school, how much jujitsu experience did you have at that time as a white belt? Um, I was a two. He promoted me before I left. He gave me two oh, stripes. So I had a two okay. stripe white belt um, with about a year of experience underneath me. A year of um, experience. Okay. A year yeah. of experience. And how long? How long was that exposure time? So like you got exposed to jujitsu, and then you train, 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 train all this time, and or or not training depending on your situation. And then you asked to open the school. How long between those periods? Uh, that was there was a six month gap. In That's there. six months between yeah. the time you walked into a jujitsu gym in Hawaii. No, no, no. That that had been years. Years, <laughs> years. Yeah. yeah. So you had been exposed like years and years prior. Right. Right. And like that just never left is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Most people that walk into like jujitsu and do it for a little bit, like they never come back (laughs) I was like what else do I say other than they never come back like they just don't and so what I find so interesting about you is you've always had the drive to continue do you think it's because it's just so cerebral like you can't stop thinking about it I think that has a lot to do with it um like the gym experience just wasn't for me um going to a gym and pushing weights and uh pull-ups and you know just counting stuff it was like doesn't help me but jujitsu was like it was this great exercise and I didn't have to think about it or or I maybe I had to think a lot about it you know I think you do have to think a lot about it but you're being told what are the things that you need to make your body do yeah and having that guide I think is really important for people who are like they want to be doing something, but they want to feel like they're part of a thing. Yeah. And I think when you go into just a weightlifting gym where you walk in like a Planet Fitness or whatever, it's like I just feel like everyone's in like the simulation. Like I walk in there. I don't know who these people are. I never see them anywhere else. Yeah. They're all wearing really strangely monochromatic <laughs> outfits. Um, They're like 
it's just like Instagram models are there. It's really uncomfortable. And, and, and I'm not talking about a gym in, here in Coos Bay. Like, no, like being yeah. in Eugene, like that's what I felt like. I would try to go. So my friend Kimo and I would always go to the gym near the yeah. house. I think it, it wasn't a Planet Fitness. I think it was something Those else. Those guys like flexing in front of the mirrors. Yeah. David and I say that a lot about things where we're, we'll be talking and we'll be like, yeah. oh, wait, that's somebody's jujitsu. Like windsurfing. That's somebody's jujitsu sure. or uh, clam digging, yeah. for example. <laughs> um, and I say that because I've been clam digging. I like clam digging. It's pretty fun, but I don't think I do clam digging for life. Not your jujitsu. <laughs> Not my jujitsu. Just like when I see somebody on the 101, especially. So, you know, for those of you not familiar with Highway 101, um, down, you know, the coast of Oregon, it goes all the way to California, all that good stuff. All the way to Mexico, I think, right? All the way through. Yeah. Something like that. It's it's okay, so along that entire thing, there's hardly anywhere to pass and everything's a cliff and there's five hundred thousand fucking people biking that thing. What is that? That's uh That's their jujitsu is to play in traffic. Yeah. But then if, if I'm sure survive. they're looking at us. <laughs> right. And then they're looking at us, they'll probably be like, So those people go in a room, they pick each other up and then they oh, yeah. throw them down on the ground. Like those people, those people are crazy. I know people think we're crazy, but Right? <laughs> it's it's I wish they would just try it. <laughs> I know. I know. And you're big in, and you're big into surfing. And yeah. um I think that what's interesting about like that surf Jiu-jitsu culture, they really go together. And so did you find, like, when did you start? So when did you start surfing? Uh, I've been surfing since I was in, like, eighth grade. So I was Long time. 14 when I first paddled out in the ocean. Oh, <laughs> wow. So then when you walked into jiu-jitsu, was that like your first jiu-jitsu paddle out? Was that like, did you feel oh, like that? Definitely. And I felt the culture is really aligned in... Um, you know, especially in Hawaii, like over half the guys there surfed and the surfing culture definitely has a hierarchy as far as like, you know, like our gym is, you know, black belts are at the top and, and the white belts are at the bottom. And it's like, you know, you got to work your way up the pecking order. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all friends and we hang out on the beach and, and, um, you know, when you walk into a jiu-jitsu gym, even here in Oregon, it's like people are wearing flip-flops. There's reggae on the radio. It's like it's kind of it's got that cool beach vibe. And you see that anywhere in the world. I feel like it's yeah. it kind of keeps that uh, that culture. I think people talk a lot about culture and what is culture and, you know, what makes a good gym culture and those kinds of things. I'm going to just toot my own horn over here and say that I've heard many a time that our gym has a good culture and I've heard, you know, a lot of great things about the Eugene gym and, and the culture that they have there. And I think what it is more than anything is we really strive to make sure everyone is included yeah, and valued for who they are because when they walk in the door, like they're just a human like the rest of us, right? Yeah. Just trying to be a better person. And I feel like when you try to walk into a big sport, like if I think about, if I had to go try out for the basketball team tomorrow, which it wouldn't let me in the door, I'm only five, what, two? <laughs> so I'm not even making it. But like, I would be super, super scared about whether I'm going to really be accepted in that space or not. But I feel like in a jujitsu room, for me, it's like, man, yeah. all these people are already my friends. Like, 
Like, you know, when you're going around somewhere and you're trying to like find a landscaper or whatever, and you're like, you find out, oh man, that guy does jujitsu. And then suddenly you're like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to hire that guy. Oh, That's yeah, a jujitsu sure. guy. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah, Don't yeah. you do that? Oh yeah, definitely. As soon as you find out. <clears throat> yep. No, it's, it, and I always like try and remind myself, like you can't do jujitsu by yourself. So it's like that person walking through the door is, is another person to help you get better and and vice versa you're going to help them get better like i don't know jujitsu's like helped me in my life in so many different aspects just aside from exercise and, and staying fit it's like uh, mentally it's so good for me personally but like i, I think for everybody it's what like, do you think is the biggest impact it's made on your on your mental well-being um I mean, you're already a calm, cool, collected cucumber. Yeah. Like, that's kind of your deal, and that's great. But, you know, I think that the calming effect of jiu-jitsu is still there, right? Yeah, that's for sure one. But um, I, I think, like, the accountability, um, basically, like, other guys, you know, our training partners, you know, kind of hold you accountable. Like, if you don't show up to class one day, like, people will be calling you, like, bro, where were you? Like... You know, I, you know, one of my favorite guys to train with and you weren't here today or whatever, you know, it's like that. And then um, the social side of it is, is like actually having those friends that actually do reach out and care that, you know, maybe you're sick and they're like, oh, they're like, oh, you're sick. Like, I hope you feel better. Like, you yeah. know, it's uh, it's that it's it's this little community inside of, a, you know, it, we just take care of each other. Yeah, I think that the taking care of each other is such a big part of jujitsu. And my experience has always been that it seems like every time I've ever had something wrong, someone in my jujitsu world somehow has the solution. And like when I think about when the gym opened and I think about how hard all of that was and we were figuring out how are we going to source all this stuff? How are we going to find out how to fucking find a drill for concrete <laughs> walls? How are we going to make that happen? And suddenly out of nowhere, we've got friends that have all of these different things that they can help us with like those things are people like that you just don't find them but it's like they all came to jujitsu somehow yeah and then they all stayed there and, and took time out of their personal you know work lives to to come and help and build this thing yeah it's it pretty cool yeah so when you started, you know, so you started the jiu-jitsu club here mm -hmm. and you got like the okay and everything yeah. was all good. And how long was it before I gave you a call? It was about, we'd been running that club for about six months at the time. Um, and had a relatively strong following. Yeah, we had, uh, I was managing the Instagram and Facebook and like people were starting to message and be like, like oh i want to come check it out and um yeah it was it was crazy i think we had about 20 like full-time students yeah which I, I don't call them students because we were a club and i was not a instructor but we just like come together and and would would drill stuff and then and then train and roll around and um you know through that process other people that had jujitsu backgrounds were coming in and were helping out 
And so it wasn't just me with my white belt, like, <laughs> winging it. <laughs> but I think, though, for a white belt coming into it and trying to make a space and having something for people to do in a community that really needs it, like, fucking kudos to you, bro. Like, you went out there and you put yourself out there regardless of what other people might say about that. Because, like, honestly, now when I look at it, if I looked at another, on like, straight up, if I looked at a white two-stripe white belt, <laughs> wants to open a school, yeah, I'd be on the same page as your professor in a sense, right? Yeah. But then again, let's look where we are. We're in Coos Bay. Like, we are in, like, we're 20 years behind over here still, I swear, yeah. which is fine. I'm, like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, but it's just different here. And I just... I feel like this place just really, really needed it. And if that's what it takes is, you know, someone who has a passion like yourself to go out there and make it happen, like, you know, be those people. Like, you are that person. Like, you blazed a big-ass trail. Yeah. Because that's the first time jiu-jitsu made its way here. Yeah. Like, we just got really lucky that we came down and met <laughs> you and we're like, hey, can we come in and see what the fuck is up? Yeah. And that was weird for me because I remember I didn't want to be an asshole more than anything because I remember <laughs> I'd had so many people, so many people are crappy in jujitsu. I mean, let me just like say that, like there's a lot of great people, but you also have to be aware that just because someone's like a black belt or good at jujitsu doesn't make them a good person. Right? Right, right. That doesn't exist. So I was like really excited at meeting you all and like, y'all were so nice and all this stuff and like I really was like I want to come in and like see what's up like this is my hometown I grew up there and I'd yeah. always wanted to be there and David and I had just been talking about opening up our own gym space someday we didn't want to be in the same area as our own school because it's like in my opinion is super rude um unless you're professor and you like kind of have your own thing I just I have like a loyalty thing about it I guess yeah oh. But loyalty only goes so far, right? You can't be an asshole and I'll be loyal. Like, that. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway. So, I call you. We decide, let's do a seminar. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here we go. I come down and it's like, we walk into the little studio that was the Taekwondo studio. And it had, like, the mirrors on the walls. Because you used to, like, part <laughs> of the time was a dance studio. Totally. And you had the the pull-out mats that you would have every night. Yeah. Pull them all out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tell me about that. How did that go every day, starting class and ending class with those mats? What was the setup? Tell us. Um, man, it, it started small. I want to say I bought those mats. Uh, it was like some flooring website. Uh, they were like 100 bucks a piece, I remember. And I... I bought six at first and um, it's like well we'll see how much square footage it is and and um, you know it filled kind of the middle of that room and they all velcroed together and we got six across and then you know there was only maybe four of us training at the time so it was like that was all we needed yeah and then you know a, a couple months goes by and, and we started having more people and I'm like I think we need some more mats <laughs> Yeah. So I got back on the website and, and um, I ordered four more. So we had like 10 now. And um, and then the Taekwondo school had like puzzle mats. And um, we just started basically would put our nice, you know, they're inch and a half or two inch mats. Um, and they would, <laughs> this 
the guys rolling would start rolling off onto the puzzle mats and was like, all right, oh, well, well, there you are. <laughs> oh, well, I remember being there yeah. watching that happen. Yeah. And, um, man, that was, that was some funny times because I remember walking in there and I was like, oh my gosh, these people are like <laughs> going for it out here. They are not kidding. Like they really want to make this happen. Yeah. And I felt I just felt so much joy in meeting you all when I came down. I couldn't believe like what I was experiencing because I didn't know you then. Yeah. Like it's weird to say that now, like you're sitting across from me. Like, I feel like you've been in my life, like my whole life now because it's been a long time. And you know, we, we came up with the idea that, Hey, like we'd like to open a gym. And I remember calling you up and be like, man, we really, we want to open a gym and I want to be an asshole. Yeah. And you were like, no, please like come on in. You know, I wasn't, embarrassed to be doing what I was doing but I, I definitely knew like it needed more and I was just ecstatic I was like because I, I had been um, reaching out at that at the time when you reached out to me I was uh, I had just booked this guy to um, come down and teach a seminar the black belt from um, Washington and um, it was gonna cost a lot of money and I was trying to figure out um, what I was going to charge the guys like I'm like you know because we were paying like $40 a month dues and then I was like well I I was thinking we're going to charge $50 per person to come to that seminar and I just remember thinking like that's a lot of money for these guys right and and, um, I hope they show up and then I'm like I hope I don't have to end up paying for it all because because it was going to be expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like now knowing, I, I didn't know at the time. I, I just kind of thought like, oh, guys, come and do seminars, you know, for fun. Yeah. And um, it, I, I found out it's usually it's like $1,500 and you got to put them in a first class hotel, you know, maybe even provide transportation for them to get to you. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, like we don't we don't have those kind of resources. So when you were like reached out to me i'm like well how much is this gonna cost and then you're like no bro we'll do it for free like i'm like what i'm like yeah come on (laughs) (laughs) i like me coming in with that free 99 everyone likes that price yeah you guys and you guys ended up i remember coming the one weekend was the seminar and then you guys came back the next weekend and we were like did another like kind of impromptu seminar but then we were looking for space and it was like it was so cool how it just started yeah happening it just like started rolling so quickly and what had happened you know david and i went to the nogi summit that 10th planet puts on in portland yeah which is a great event they're having their first ever women's nogi summit in march which i'm super excited about um really big monumental event i'm I have not committed to being there yet because uh, I had so many other things coming up, but I'm, I'm trying to think if I can swing it. But anyway, <laughs> um, so David and I go up there. We have a great time and we were just like, you know, fuck it. Like we're going to open a fucking gym. We're going to open a gym. We're going to do it because we've said it forever. And if we don't actually do something, it'll never happen. So, you know, we, we meet you, we all do all the stuff. We start looking for a space. And we're looking all over the place, trying to find like, what's going to work? How can we put in all these things? And, you know, David and I just assumed that we would just have to find something to rent. And so you and Jen, though, you were super awesome. And you're just like, because you're super hot, like helpful, awesome, welcoming people. And you would just like took us under your little <laughs> wings. We're just like little baby birds. And you're like 
come on, little baby birds, and like. Like, what was like, you know, more like selfishness almost. I'm like, <laughs> I, I need to, I need to help make this happen. Like, whatever it takes. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, and that's a, that's how you are, though. Whatever yeah. it takes to make it work, which I think is really cool. And uh, so, then y'all found a building, and I remember. When you said you had found the building, I was like, what is this? I was so excited. Tell me about finding the building and going through that whole thing. Wow, that was, well, that was your building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's your building. <laughs> you, you told me, um, you're like, I used to work, uh, I used to work in this coffee shop and there's a space in the back that they used to hold concerts and I, you said, I think it'd be perfect for jujitsu. And, um... And I'm like, oh, I know that building. I said, I know who owns this building. Yeah. And um, so I made a phone call. I called I called Wayne Shrunk. And I'm like, hey, Wayne, like, I said, what's the deal with this building? And he's like, Just well, like that? What's the deal with this building? Yeah. Uh, well, I was like, because <laughs> the property management, you'd said you'd call them a couple oh, times. Oh, I called them a million times. They called me six months later. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I told him the same story. I said, hey, we're, I got some people that are interested and you know their property management isn't calling him and he was like oh yeah they're not very good at their and i'm like whatever yeah yeah yeah. yeah. he's like but what do you want to do with it and i'm like well you know ideally we'd like to just rent out the back and and um he's kind of like uh him and han about this and he's like he's like well i'll tell you what i can do he's like i can rent the whole building to you and you can sublet the back and i'm like well, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to do that. This isn't going to help. Like, what am I going to do up in the front of the building? Yeah. Or, like, you know. Because like, it was like. Because he's like, well, maybe I can rent it to someone else. Like, but put it all on my plate. And, and then he just like out of the, the blue just said, he said, or I can just sell it to you. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a different story, you know. <laughs> entrepreneur I'm, jesse yeah. puts his hands together well i'm thinking about like yeah. retirement and stuff and like i would like to have some real estate so right i'm like well let me talk about it with jen and see see you know and i don't know i i said we'll we'll think about it for like a week and we talked about it back and forth and it was going to be a lot you know but i, I was thinking in the long run like it's going to be perfect like we'll have jujitsu you know we're going to own the building and you know if if things don't work out we can always do something else with it so um i called wayne i said yeah let's do it and um yeah that was when we decided we're gonna open a coffee shop in the yeah. front and you guys are gonna do jujitsu in the back and we're gonna figure it out what i thought was the most amazing about it was like getting this i think it was a text about it i believe and i just thought it was so funny of like yeah, so we basically bought this building, and um, you're by no means obligated to rent out the back for jujitsu. But if you did, that would be pretty cool. And I thought that that was just so funny because I I knew that it was like very genuine about it. Like obviously, yeah, we were pretty sure jujitsu was going in, right? So that was a, like an easy bet. But I felt like what's cool about our friendship has always been, it's always been just like a mutual, like everyone wants to move forward with the thing, you know? And we all really just wanted to move forward to make something happen. Yeah. And that coffee shop, like bringing back the coffee shop, I was just like, fuck yes. <laughs> like I had worked in that building when it was Sozo's many a year ago. Yeah. 
Uh, shout out to uh, Becky Richardson, if she ever listens to this, who ran Sozo's. Bill and <laughs> Becky Richardson are some of the coolest people ever. The Richardsons are amazing. And I worked in that building, uh, Sling and Coffee. Uh, they, those two helped me get through some, some college and, you yeah, know, doing yeah. all the things and being really great business owners and like second parents, you know, they were great people. And so that building just carried so many warm feelings for me. It's, I just couldn't say no. I couldn't yeah. say no. I had yeah. to do it. Yeah. It was like, it was meant to be. It's kind of all. It felt like it. Yeah. It, it felt together. like it. Yeah. I remember when David and I were driving <laughs> down to look at it after I'd not seen it for a long time. And as soon as we had walked in here, I was like, oh no, I know this is the place. This is where we're going to be. Yeah. This is where I'm going to be. And then you all like whipped up a coffee shop. Like you whipped <laughs> together a coffee shop. How did you do that? It was, uh, yeah, I, I think really a coffee shop comes down to the espresso machine. If you, and if you, you got a, find a nice, nice one. Or a nice espresso machine without, you know, going into massive debt, then, then you did okay. Yeah. So I got lucky. I had, um, there was a guy that has a little drive through shop and, and just kind of like asked him some questions and he kind of led me down this path. It was kind of cool for being in the same community as this other drive through coffee shop and the guy was, went out of his way to kind of he's like he's like oh there can never be too many coffee shops in in the town and I'm like okay <laughs> that's so cool I love like, it that's not my philosophy but uh if you're willing to go out on a limb and and help me out and yeah that guy super nice guy he still has his shop but um yeah I got I got that espresso machine on eBay and it wasn't that expensive. I think I paid like $2,500 for it. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. machine. And what I loved too is that I had been back in that same exact spot where the machine went. And then like when I was back there, I get to fuck around with it and yeah. like get to make espresso. <laughs> like I was so like, those were so golden. I remember the first time we had someone come in for jujitsu and they came in, they dropped in and then they had the cup of coffee uh -huh. and I, I just remember that day it's yeah. just so yeah. glorious and I remember us starting to get everything together and then you had those little puzzle mats you put out like in the front of the <laughs> coffee shop while it's all under construction so that you and David oh yeah could do your things it yeah. was so cool <laughs> and Jen put in a lot of yeah. work and hours on that coffee shop she did she yeah. really like pulled one out really supporting the jujitsu dream Crazy. It was crazy. Both of you, both yeah. of you have just loved jujitsu so much. And what I love about all of it is that we've been able to create now what is going to be and is already really like a premier academy for jujitsu on the Southern Oregon coast because yeah. there's nothing that exists here. Yeah. We're the only ones. I say this and now the cat's out the bag. Now that no one knows there's no jujitsu, someone will come and that's fine, right? Because I think it's actually really important to have multiple people around. Yeah. But, you know, looking at what's going on here, Coos Bay is in a complete transformation. I remember growing up here and it was only just ships mm -hmm. going in and out. And now I'm like, there's a fucking spectrum on the bay. Like yeah. spectrum puts a building on my Coos Bay. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like there's these parts of me that are really happy about this progress. And then there's other parts of me that are like, but what's going to happen? Yeah. But I think with the dream of jujitsu, all these things coming to Coos Bay, I think we're going to end up having a powerhouse. 
And I think that we can get there with the talent that we have. Yeah. So let's talk about your jujitsu talent, because I think that that's okay. really where I want to go to and, and getting down to the nitty gritty pieces of the jujitsu game. Yeah. So you are newly minted purple belt. <laughs> what the fuck does that feel like for you? Um, I remember at first, like, I knew it was coming, but at the same time, like, I wasn't sure I was ready. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird... It's like, you know, when you're ready for the next belt, but you're not sure you really want it. Right. Because it, there's a, there's a new level of responsibility to, to that, whether you, you feel like there is or not. It's, it's just like, now I gotta, I gotta perform at this level. I mean, it's like, it's something you build up in your own head because you know what it's like to roll with people at that belt level. Um, anyway, so I've I've had the transition once before from white to blue, and I remember I really overthought it then because I was like, I remember when I first got my blue belt, so I'm like, well now now I can't ever get tapped out by a <laughs> white belt kind of thing, and yeah. it's like that that slowly goes away because you know there's people from all walks of life that come in and and you realize like this is just where I'm at right now, this is my level and. Um, how do you how do you work through the acceptance of that? What is that process like for you? Because some people don't come to that acceptance. Uh, you know, it really, I hate to use the word ego, but it's like it is. It's all it's all in your head, and it's like because you look at this person as like being lower than you or something like that automatically makes you feel like you have to be better. So when they get the best of you. Um, it's, it's that ego telling you like, like, well, what happened there? It's like, what'd you do wrong? And it's like, there's nothing wrong. Like you have to reevaluate yourself and be like, what did, what should I be doing differently? And, um, it's all like not expecting it, not expecting you're going to win just because you're a belt level higher or whatever. Right. Right. You, you should have no expectations. You should just go out and do what you do. And if it's good enough, it's going to hold up. If it's not, then then you have some growing to do there. Do you feel like you're able to have no expectations well? Is that something that you're able to do well? Um, or at least yeah, handle the, expectations for well. For the most part, you know, it's, it's always, there's always like this lingering, you know, thought. And, and I think like at, at Purple Belt, um, there's there's definitely a difference of the level even inside the belt like I, I felt that when I was uh, um, kind of getting towards the end of my blue belt I was down in Costa Rica at a seminar and uh, I was rolling with all all these different purple belts just kind of trying to test myself like you know how does my jiu-jitsu hold up to theirs and there were I remember two purple belts in particular that just smoked me <laughs> and it was just like I was like wow like I'm not ready for that <clears throat> well it turns out a month later both those guys got promoted to brown belt and so it kind of put into my head that it was like oh well those guys were basically brown belts and so that didn't even count <laughs> <laughs> but it it also I don't know it, it's just like I know there's levels to it you know right there's um, levels to the game. Yes. Right? Right. Right. So I'm going to be going through 
this that next phase yeah, you know you get to um, play the black belt gotta well. play the black belt game now <laughs> and what's interesting is i'll make these little jokes here and there about you know oh like oh whatever it is but everyone always just will say something like well everyone's good at black belt so what does it matter you know it's <laughs> like i'm like oh man what's gonna happen you know yeah. with this or that and they're just like you know what by the time you get to black belt it what does it matter yeah what does it matter everyone now you you're you're a three month black belt or you're a fucking 30 year black belt i mean yeah. everyone in that pool is then a black belt which is wild if you think about the progression yeah and there's no real way to have levels to it other than like when you look at like master's divisions it's almost like okay if you leveled it like by age you could kind of see like yeah. in those age groups like yeah. who's you know who's on the top but really when we think about jujitsu though it's like who's winning worlds yeah that's who's on the top Usually, right? And right. then it's adult world. It's not like master world. Master right. world is like where everyone wants to go and have fun and, and drink and party and, and do all those things or whatever they do. Yeah. But like adult world, it's like whoever wins that one, though, that like to me, that is like, oh, that's that's the black belt. Right. For whatever reason, just right. because it's there. Um, but we also know, though, that there's killers in gyms everywhere in this world that just are not competitive people. Mm -hmm. Like take coach, well, Professor Quinn. Yeah. Professor Quinn. That's right. Yes. Professor Quinn is not a competitor of any sort, but, like, I'm pretty sure if he competed, he would be sweeping the floor with people. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, identifying those, like, different levels within, like, everything, it's, it's a hard place to be, and I don't know what that's going to be like for me. I really don't, because uh, I have a big ego. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's weird to know that you have it and also still be doing jujitsu for this long. Yeah. And not quit. I think it's because my ego has an ego about quitting, probably, you know, probably. and like, I'm never going to quit, yeah. you know, one of those. But uh, I have a hard time leaving it and being calm and collected when I'm on the mat. And I feel like when I've watched you compete or do, you know, anything, I don't feel like I see the, the strife or the difficulty on your face. You somehow managed to stay kind of stoic in a sense, ready to go, kind of happy, really, I think. <laughs> like you're kind of a smiley jiu-jitsu player a little bit. Um, and you're focused. And that really shows through. How do you get there? How did you get there? What made you be that Man, way? I, it's a tough question. I, I feel like I, I just read this, um, this uh, Hicks and Gracie's book breathe yeah i just read it too and and one of the things he's he mentions a lot in the book is like is being jujitsu teaches you how to be calm under pressure and i remember that from day one my first jujitsu class when i told you being smashed underneath and it's like you panic like you don't know what to do under there but as you progress through this like all of a sudden you're like you can learn to be comfortable there and think your way through it and I, I feel like, like that's what my jujitsu has become. Like I just, no matter what position I'm in, I'm always just trying to think my way through it. And, um, especially from the defensive side where I am, cause I'm smaller, I'm 150 pounds and, and you know most people I train with are bigger than me. So it's like, you get... welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah. You and me together. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah, and I look at Janet, you know, 115 pounds. I'm like, soaking wet. She must really feel like yeah, 
like that difference but it's like if you if you can be calm there and think your way through it then you're gonna come out better versus just panicking and and doing something random that may or may not work you know so I, I just I think from day one I've learned to to just be calm and try and think your way through the situation and that's what I love about it so in competition I've I've learned to I feel like transition that from the defensive to the offensive because I've gotten really good at sweeping and ending up on top and then there now I've I've learned to start controlling them a little better and like okay I need to have base here and, and not get swept and then control the person while they're spazzing out or whatever right. to to get to the win you know and it, depending on what rule set you're fighting in it's either going to be you know you got to tap them out get a submission or hold on <laughs> and, and win by uh points if, if you're up so yeah uh yeah i feel like a lot of times if if you try and go for a sub too early you're gonna you're gonna lose your position and and so you just got to be calm so the patience definitely helps yeah. you get into those positions yeah and that's the thing that i notice when we roll is i feel like you have a lot of really technical aspects and like you're really you do a lot of really funky sweeps um you and david like do i don't know magic in the back of the gym or whatever it is you're doing <laughs> um and it's all you've always got some funky some sweep leg thing over my head looking oh, at yeah. this and it's like what draws you to that type of uh movement because they're always in my opinion they're funky and that's yeah. just me though but i don't know if you think that um i definitely think it's 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 different um it comes from me it's it comes from like a a guard retention type thing so i think being smaller i always started on the bottom and i had to you know get creative with ways to get my legs back in the game and um you know, I don't consider myself that flexible, but I do like to kind of like ball up and, and, you know, I get my legs back and, and I've always was really good at at least getting like a half guard back. And, and I remember frustrating people like as a white belt because they would pass my guard and then immediately I'd have it back and they'd be like, where did your legs come from? And I'm like, I, I, I just know like, it's safer for me to have my legs between me and you. So yeah. I just figured out a way to do it. So I like that sometimes when you're, you know, when you're rolling and you're trying to get your guard back and it usually only happens with uh, like some of the lower belts now, cause now everyone tries to murder me. But <laughs> anyway, like all of a sudden, like you get your legs back and you like cross them around the back, you get that closed guard and they're just like, Whoa, Where's your legs come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. they had no idea yeah. that you even had access yeah. to bring your legs around their body. I think that that is so wild. Like how much awareness that you have to have in doing jujitsu where you're like, my body will automatically just lock its legs around your body. Like yeah. it just knows that that's what it's supposed to do. But the other person is not even, they don't even know what guard is yet, you know, right. sometimes. And right. so it's really interesting when you're rolling with those different people, you do funny things where they're like, Oh, I'm super surprised. Yeah. Like, I'm really surprised yeah. that this thing is happening to me. <laughs> Whereas, like, I feel like now when things happen, I don't get generally surprised by what happens to me when I'm rolling most of the time. Yeah. But then, you know, rolling with, like, 
David, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, this is no surprise. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, get surprised, but in a yeah, sense, yeah. it's like, am I? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it yeah. go. So, yeah. How do you feel about how you learn jujitsu now versus when you first started learning jujitsu? Because I feel like we start learning jujitsu with like, we don't know what's going on at all. And then we start learning jujitsu again in another context because we've gotten so far. So a lot of my conversations already have been with people who are just, just white belts. I don't mean it like that. I love yeah, white belts, but, but they're going through that. They're fucking excited they're as hell. Figuring it out. They're yeah. having a great fucking time. Yeah. And here we are. You've been grinding your ass off on the mats for a long time, you know, all that stuff. So when you were in the beginning, you know, it sounds like you were like, hell yeah, paddle out. Here's my first right. jujitsu. So, you know, learning now, what does that look like to you? How has it changed? Um, I like, I guess, um, you know, I, I try to go to a lot of seminars. Um, I watch a lot of instructionals. I, I feel like I study a lot of jujitsu outside of the gym. Um, mainly to just keep it fresh in my head and, and keep learning because I don't want to get stagnant. Um, and, and you I, fly a lot and you travel yeah, a lot. I'm, so do you I'm, think that helps too? It it does help. I, I know like, well, when we closed for COVID, um, was it like at least three months or so? It was about so, three, we were, yeah. But it was like, I was watching a lot of instructionals and we were kind of doing some Zoom classes. Um, but when I came back from that break, I felt like my jujitsu got a lot better. And I was like, man, if, if I had this realization, like if, if I keep my head in the game, even if I can't physically practice it, that I'm, I'll still get better. And um, that had a, a lot to do with, with me and, and how I think about jujitsu. Did you did you not watch as like like watch videos and stuff in the beginning really? I I didn't want to like overwhelm myself with with stuff outside of the gym. I wanted to kind of focus on what we were learning so that I would get good at that. Um, and so I always laughed at the guys that were like, "Oh, I saw this on YouTube or something," and, and I'm like okay bro like move of the week right right <laughs> everyone's shown me a variation on buggy choke cool yeah don't care they yeah and it's like un unless they're actually drilling it like like at open mat or something then i might take them seriously like oh they actually do want to learn this instead of just seeing it one time and and then like it's like you have to put some time into it if you want to make it work for you so um yeah it's i i try and keep it uh, I guess focused like I'll, I'll focus on one one specific thing like oh, I'm going to work on this for, for the week or whatever um, and, and then when I go to like I'll, I'll focus on whatever David's teaching or, or whoever's teaching that day like what the technique is and then during the open uh, rounds I'm like well I was watching this and I'm going to try it to see you know this variation of and uh it's helped a lot because it now i now i have like a purpose um to my class and then you can build off of that it's like well i tried it but it didn't work and like what did i do wrong maybe go back to watch watching 
whatever I was watching and be like, oh, I just need a, you know, two on one with the arm here or something, you know. It's just like a little detail that I missed the first time I watched it. It's like, oh, that's it. And then go try it again. And maybe by the end of the week, you'll have it figured out. <laughs> yeah. So you're like going through, you're basically looking at a technique seeing how can I make this thing happen you're going to your practice yeah you're trying that thing out and then reviewing again mm -hmm. and that's a great way to learn jiu-jitsu yeah and do your own study and especially I think as you you start to get into the upper belts especially in that purple belt range I think especially a purple belt it becomes very exploratory yeah. of what do I like? Yeah. What would I like my jujitsu to be like? What, how does my body work? How does it function? Because a lot of people, by the time they get to purple belt, they have changed significantly in their physical well-being. Just their mental game is completely different. A lot of people by then will have gotten stronger because they've started strength and conditioning because they love jujitsu. A lot of people started competing at that point too. And so there's just so much more that comes with it. Yeah. And you have to keep yourself engaged and busy with the sport yeah. because when you're a white and blue belt, it's like people are there to really guide you. And even at purple and brown, there are still people who guide you, right? Mm -hmm. But we're all like a young team is what I would say. So, yeah. you know, we can all still learn so much collaboratively that we all kind of like go and look at things. And especially I know you like to go look at something. You go to Dave and be like, yo, bro, what is like, why is this working? Why is it not working? And then you two nerd out and forget about time. Like, yeah. it's great. Right. And that's what I think is so great about getting into some of those upper belts. And I think it's a gorgeous place to be is in the upper belt range and not many people make it there. So yeah. why do you think you were able to make it past I mean, just the first parts of jujitsu, making it past the so-called blue belt curse, yeah. making it long enough to get a purple belt. What, what is that? I'm, I'm not sure because I don't know what makes people quit. Like, I, David said this a uh, million times, but he's like, you know, why would you quit jujitsu once you get your blue belt? He's like, you just learned the foundation like you've just learned how to move in in this sport and now like now things are going to start making sense to you like now you can go to a seminar and the the guy's teaching this technique he doesn't have to teach you how to get to that position or how to um because you already understand that um but you don't understand it until you're at least a blue belt and sometimes even longer because there's so so much to it but um yeah i i have a hard time wrapping my head around what makes people quit um i know it's hard um what we do but it, i don't think it's so hard that you can't get through it and um i just don't understand people's mental capacity with with what they can do um physically without without breaking <laughs> yeah I think what's interesting is I wonder and about how do we all arrive at these different places so you know we've arrived in different places in jujitsu and in different ages right so I'm 33 yeah right now and you are 42 42 yeah and you started jujitsu when you were 32 right yeah I guess <laughs> so yeah I started jujitsu when I was like 21 uh-huh yeah 
So learning as a young person, when I was 21, trying to start jujitsu, I think that there was a really big piece of insecurity in who I was as an individual because yeah. I was uh, in my early 20s and an idiot, which I say this and some 20 year old is out there rolling their eyes at me currently. <laughs> 20 year old me is ro- like, yeah, I can yeah. see past in my past. I'm rolling my eyes at myself. Um, but I really do believe now that there is a lot of exploration that takes place when you're in that really young state and trying to get into jujitsu. And not only are you dealing with how am I going to learn these things, but a lot of people are feeling those insecurities about like, what do I look like while I'm doing this sport? How are other people going to perceive me? How will like other people think of me if I can't do something, for example, you know? So all of that gets wrapped up in this space of like that young, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm in a new city. I don't know where the fuck I am. Like I was at a university, never, yeah. you know. So you going into it, I'm curious if you think that it was impactful for you because you had a lot of life experience already when you came to jujitsu. Like you had already gone through a lot of trials, I'm sure, in trying to become a pilot and learning how to be a pilot. Like when I think about people learning how to fly things, to me, that's like, oh, they're a fucking black belt. Okay. Like, you don't have to do anything else in your life. You fly a plane. Okay. Fuck. Cool. You're <laughs> awesome. Like, to me, that seems like the most difficult thing in the world. And for you, you went through and you already mastered doing a lot of those things. So I'm curious about your opinion if you think that it's impactful in people sticking with jujitsu dependent on when they start in their lifetime. It could be. I mean,. It- it has to do with your mental state at the time. Um, we talked about gym culture. I, I think it has to do with first impressions, like what happens when they walk through the gym. You know, are are they getting a cold shoulder from from these people, or are they being accepted and <clears throat> kind of brought into this new community with with open arms? Um, and and I feel like we as as people in the gym, like we may be at different phases with that. I know I've I've gone through. I remember at first I tried to get everybody, like, hey, come try this, come train with me, you know. And, and you get you get so wrapped around like trying to get these people to stay and and maybe not go so hard, um, just to you know you don't want them to have a good experience. Um, and then they still don't come back and it's like, so then like I get in this mental state where it's like, well, fuck them, you know, I'm, it, it, these people aren't even going to stick around for more than a month. So I'm not going to become friends with them. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that have come in and I have become friends with, and then they never came back. And it's like, you know, that's, it's like jujitsu heartbreak. Yeah. It's, it's hard to put all that time and energy into, to someone and then them not even want to stick around and do it with you. It's like when you're so passionate about it and and somebody else doesn't reciprocate that, it's hard. It's like, man, like, why can't they just get here with me? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, you want people to meet you where you're already at. Like you're already in the like, I'm hooked. I'm sold. I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm never leaving. Right. Like, why can't you also drink the Kool-Aid? That's hard, isn't it? And especially when you see talent and it's like, Oh yeah. Oh man, this guy's gonna be good. Just sticks with it. But um, 
and then and then you help you you know you try and like oh I'm gonna help you learn this or that and like oh you need to work on this like this is gonna help you and then uh, they're just like over it or I, I don't yeah. I don't know there's something really interesting about that with people and I don't know what it is and I'm a real I think I'm a real proponent of um, you don't care about something you don't work for yeah so things that people don't work for they don't care as much about and that's not always the case yeah but like if we want to talk about the majority of people I think that when I look at people who really covet things and and especially when they're doing all the jujitsu like we've been doing like those people worked hard to get there and they worked really hard and they take a lot of pride in that thing and I almost think sometimes with like good athletes that people that have that potential they come in and they're just like well I can already do this you know what I mean and so then they don't know that they're going to get anything that brings me back to like where I kind of went through this phase where I was trying to go easy on people so that they would, but it's like, that's not what really sparked me. It, it was it was literally getting smashed and being like, oh, I need to learn what, what this guy's doing because clearly I'm helpless here. Yeah. Um, and I hear a lot of, you know, guys talk about their jujitsu experience and the thing that drew them to it was, that they were getting beat up by someone half their size, you know, on day one. It was like, well, wait a second. Like this, this shouldn't be happening right now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I don't know what the, like the female psyche is in that. I know Jenna's definitely on that where, you know, if you beat her at something, she's going to go twice as hard to try and figure out how to, how to beat you. Right. And, um, so I, I think I, that's more of like where I'm at with dealing with that now. It's like, okay, this new guy comes in. He wants some resistance. He want he wants to like get beat up a little bit and and um, realize like he's 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 not at my level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's gonna take a long time to get there. So. There's a big fine line between what is what is me helping my partner and what is not helping my partner yeah. in terms of resistance and hardness and training yeah and I do think that it can be different for some women versus men and kind of how everyone thinks about it I feel like I have a problem because I tend to I think we all have biases right Mm -hmm. and I think I have a real bias a bias that like the women that come in I want to be really gentle with them yeah and I want them to love being there and love the feeling of being on the mat without being hurt first right so I have that's why I run the women's self-defense is because I want to get those those ladies in who have maybe never been maybe rough and tumble done a sport wrestling whatever right I want to give them a soft experience because I want them to come back because I want them to feel that yeah but there's also the part of me that loves a good competitive team and I need people who are competitive and if people want to get better they need someone who can beat them so it's also my job to go hard with the other women especially in the gym because women are only competing with women and men are competing with men that's how jiu-jitsu works right now so who is going to be my opponent is going to be a woman and so when I go with them I actually should be going like pretty hard but it is difficult for me and it is difficult for women in general because a lot of us have the whole like 
oh, I don't want to put weight on another person. <laughs> you know, God forbid I weigh, yeah. I weigh something, you know, I have weight on my body. Right. You know how that is. Yeah. Strange. Um, society says we shouldn't have any, but we have a lot of it. And that's what I love about jujitsu. Cause like I get girls that want to come to jujitsu and I'm like, you can eat an extra piece of pizza. Yeah. Uh, literally, actually you can eat a whole pizza, another whole pizza. You can eat as much as you want and do jujitsu. Like yeah. don't, it doesn't matter. Like you need to be like fit and just healthy. Anyway, that was totally like, <laughs> whew, I get on a soapbox on that one. But I, I do think though, there is an aspect I feel with men specifically when I'm rolling with them and when I watch men and male and uh, men to men, a man to man interaction, geez, couldn't figure out how to say that. Anyway, two dudes rolling. That would have been easier to say. Yeah. So I got two dudes rolling and I'm like, all right, those two, I can tell that the one needs to get his ass kicked. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're watching from the outside and you're watching people, like you're watching two dudes specifically and you're yeah. looking at him, you're like, oh, that one needs his ass kicked. Like you can just see it yeah. and you know. Yeah. Like they need an ego check. A lot of them yeah. do. And what's weird is I don't, there's part of me that like, doesn't really believe in that. Like whole, like I'm going to assert my dominance over another yeah. person. Cause that doesn't align with how I feel that like things should be. <laughs> but let me tell you, I found out that you have to do that though sometimes. Yeah. And it's been uncomfortable for me where I'm like, I'll start rolling with someone and part of it is like you know it's usually a new male it's very infrequently we get new women we get a lot luckily but you know in my other experiences is a dude coming in he wants to roll with me and of course he's like oh i'll go light which you know what that means so he's not gonna go light so he fucking spazzes out like a crazy person and so then i have to just realize like oh i have to kick this guy's ass because if i don't kick his ass he will kick my ass because i was trying to be kind right because i'm like oh i'm an upper belt it's my job to be the steward here. It is my job. And especially when it's your gym that you own and like you're responsible for everyone in it, man, the idea of like, I'm actually going to come out and smash your ass because you're being a jerk off. Like, which usually strange with those personalities. I feel like they're going to spaz harder because now they're losing to a woman and that's not okay in their right personal because God forbid, yeah. society says yeah. you can't be beat by a woman. Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot to be. It's, it's, it's like, hard. And the thing we, is, I don't blame anybody. We want everybody to like, be on the same page and train with the same intensity, but like a, a focused intensity. It's like not just spazzing out. It's like if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. <laughs> or ask. Raise your hand. Tell right. your professor you don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And if your professor, like, like your, pre- your professor should know what's going on like should be able to tell you like well this is what you need to do like most professors teachers coaches they want to help you they actually want you to raise your hand and say i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing right here like is this too hard am i going too soft what is happening like i can't tell and we need people to be honest with each other in jujitsu about what does and doesn't feel good when we're rolling and Mm -hmm. i talk about this a lot with the ladies because they have a hard time saying when they're getting smashed and they have a hard time saying when people are like really being aggressive and using too much weight and like actually being assholes, you know? Yeah. They have a hard time. Not everyone does, but some of them have a hard time. And it's like, man, communication is the key and communication is the key in any good relationship across the board and in jujitsu. It is above and beyond important because if we don't communicate, that's where people get injured. Right. That's where like, rando whoever walks through the door and wants to throw me through the ceiling or whatever it is like like that guy 
that's not cool. Like you got to right. like figure out like what room are you in? Who are you with? Who are yeah. these people? And there's also the time and place where it's like, guess what? Today is comp training. So y'all are getting your asses kicked. And like, that's what we're <laughs> going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think what's important for me and my students, what I think is really important is like being honest with them in the moments where they're doing it actually. Because what I think is difficult is later someone will be like, oh yeah, those people are saying you're spazzing out or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, when? When in that match was I right, doing that? Because right. people don't know. Right. Well, they can't even half time remember it because they're so new. Yeah. So it's hard to remember everything. And so it's easier, I think, and I, I like in our gym, we're able to have those communication pieces and be like, hey, buddy, like this is too fast right now. Mm -hmm. Like I understand where you're coming from. And I know that you just don't know. And I just want you to be able to do it right because I want you to train and be safe. And that's the thing is I don't get those cultures of gyms where they go in and just kill each other every day. Like, what is that? <laughs> Could you do jujitsu for your entire life if that's what you did? Uh, yeah, that's I just talked to a guy. He went and trained with the um, the pedago guys. Oh, there, yeah. He said he said it's it's legit. Like those guys are in that gym. Well, 24-7, they live there, but they're rolling for like eight hours a day. He's like, he's like, imagine if that's your full-time job, like, he's like, you're probably really good at what you do for work. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, because that's what, he's like, that's what these guys do for their job. And I'm like, he's like, but they're training hard and there's a lot of injuries. And I was like, yeah, to, to train at that level, you are going to have a lot of inner <laughs> injuries. Yeah. I'm not there. You know, I, I do, uh, you know, probably five to 10 hours a week and, you know, try not to get hurt because I got a job outside of right. this. And, and I think um, that there's different types of people that do jujitsu. And yeah. that's why, you know, when you're looking at doing jujitsu, it really matters what your intentions are. So like, you know, you know, like, I'm getting older, you're getting older, we're not getting younger, bodies are falling apart and all these things. And so I feel like, you know, you really kind of have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you do to take care of your body to kind of help you out? I try and stretch a lot more. Um, that seems to help. Uh, Warm-ups are super important. So now that I got my purple belt, I'm supposed to skip warm-ups. That's I think. true. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to come in late. Skip warm-ups. Um, I don't think that's healthy for my body, so <laughs> I like to show up and warm up, stretch, and then, you know, once my joints are loose, then I can actually uh, do some training. Jesse's the overachiever <clears throat> purple belt. <laughs> <laughs> so far, I'm still new. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that stuff's important. Um, we got a hot tub at home, um, so after class, I go there and kind of get my muscles to relax again and <laughs> yeah and you have a gorgeous home on a gorgeous piece of property oh. overlooking the bay so you've got that hot tub that just looks right on <laughs> out there and you can just walk right out of your house mm -hmm. right into it yeah that's pretty yeah. awesome nice yeah, yeah. so a couple other questions that I want to get through here that I haven't gotten to um, okay. and I kind of ended up coming up with like this set of questions that I like asking everyone just because I, I like to have some consistency and like, what are we talking about? Because someday I'll, I'll maybe go back and listen to these and be like, what was the, what did everyone say? What were the consistent pieces? And what, one thing that I'm really curious about with everyone is what is something that you hope to accomplish with jujitsu in the future? 
and it can be anything. Um, I mean, obviously, I think at this point, we're all going for our black belts. <laughs> so, um, it's a good one. Yeah. I wasn't going for my black belt when I started, just so you know. Not, I don't I don't think you have to be when you start, but I think at some point, you know, at, at least when you get to purple belt, you've made it through the blue belt, which is where everybody quits. So, you know, at that point, you might as well just keep going, right? It does seem like that to me. I, I do kind of feel like um, I, uh, I felt like one time Professor Harold, he said that it was like a tiny baby black belt. Just like a little baby black belt, just barely getting started. Yeah. Like as, as you get into that purple belt level, you know. And when we look at levels too, when you think about what is purple le like belt level today versus what it used to be, mm -hmm. and like I'm not even going to say anything about that. Uh, Josh and Keenan already had that. Yeah. Uh, whole thing. I, I heard that. They conversation. talked about that, and yeah. I don't want to be on anyone's <laughs> shit list. No. So. But, like, let's talk about, though, I mean, the proliferation of jujitsu is incredible with the Internet. Yeah. Like, I'm into crime shit, so I watch crime shit all the time, okay? I'm one of those people, and I'm in this thing where I'm, I was so out of touch with what has come before me, where I'm learning that, like, we didn't get certain technologies, you know, till the 80s. Surveillance didn't exist until, you know like the 70s or whatever it was like some of these things and I'm being very general and I'm not an expert so don't come at me <laughs> but it's the same thing when you're thinking about jujitsu just when you're going back to even look at like the Gracie challenge oh, fights yeah, on YouTube yeah, so sure. so once in a while David and I we don't know what to watch and we're like well hell yeah let's go on to YouTube and watch some Gracie challenge videos and we've watched them a million times over yeah. and you look at it then and you think about wow what were people learning as white, blue, purple belts then to what are white, blue, purple belts learning now? It's completely different. I watched David teach yeah. the fundamental students all about half guard the other day. And they yeah. were all just getting it. And I remember not even understanding what half guard really was until a blue belt. Like, Same. I just didn't get it. Yeah. I, I sucked at half guard until I got my blue belt. Yeah. I, I, I would get there as a means to salvage some sort of guard but i couldn't sweep anybody from there i i, I would get smacked. but you do now that's <laughs> one place where i feel like yeah. your game has improved significantly and yeah. so is everyone's in the gym really i mean yeah. if there's one thing i kind of like have in the back of my head i'm like you know someday i feel like like with david's half guard game it'll be like oh someday we'll be <laughs> like the the half guard school you know yeah. like that'll be us we're gonna Take the world by half guard or some <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, who would have thought half guard of all things? God, I mean, a lot of people play it. It's a strong It's a, it's strong, a strong game. Yeah. I think it's a great game to play. Mm -hmm. the, the part about it I think is difficult is the playing to get the underhooks and don't, not getting flat. Yeah. That's the hardest part. When I get flat in bottom side control or in a bottom half guard, that's where I feel like I might cry. Like, have, that's my a, one I have spot. I a trick for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. I've been working on it. What's your, like, I want to cry jujitsu position? Um, mm, good question. I want to cry. Man, I can't, I, I feel pretty comfortable. I guess, I guess if I get mounted and I can't recapture a leg right away and my frames 
that are down on the hips start getting lifted above my head. Um, I don't like being there. Yeah, that's not a good spot. <laughs> so no. if, if they get high mounts on me and my arms, I can't even build frames with my arms, then yeah, things aren't going well. That's a bad spot to be, which is funny because that's my favorite spot to be on the top. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's my great favorite spot. spot. Great yeah. spot to be. Yeah, everyone <laughs> wants to be there yeah. on the top, yeah. but not on the bottom. Uh, so something that I like to know is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started jujitsu? So something you know now that you wish you could have known in life. Interesting. I was, I was going straight to technique, but in life I was laughing about that whole half guard thing because yeah. like I had the same thing I'd get smashed from bottom half and flattened out and my life just sucked and I'm like how is this even a, a guard like yeah. you can't do anything from here yeah. yeah well now it's like my number one game and I can do everything from there so it's like the the change in perspective of that position has changed a lot for me in the last few years but as far as life, I, I think it has a lot to do with maybe perseverance. Um, is just just because something's hard, you just got to keep trying, and it, and it gets easier. And that really translates to anything in life. I feel like if you really set your mind to doing something, you can accomplish anything you want. And really, if you just keep your head down and keep pursuing that path, you'll eventually get there. That's how my pilot career started. I knew what I wanted to do. I, I knew there was a lot of steps to get there, but I didn't focus. I didn't focus on the end goal so much as the steps it took me to get there. So it's like, well, I just got to focus on this for now. So maybe in jujitsu, you know, if the black belt is the goal, well, you got to focus on getting through your white belt or getting through your first stripe and and you know just keep the short-term goals in your head and keep uh working towards those and then eventually the big goal will be accomplished i absolutely love that you know just that taking like one bite at a time mm -hmm. of the you know i'm not trying to eat an entire foot long sandwich in one go i mean yeah. i usually i actually am because i love <laughs> i love food but <laughs> we're talking about you know everything else it's got to be that little bit of a time and I think part of it is because there can be a lot of overwhelm I see it a lot um Austin's I'm constantly just hounding him not hounding him but like telling him hey you're looking at the big picture I said it's too much it's overwhelming to look at this whole process and be like well I got to do 12 things to get there it's like, no, you got to do one thing, the first thing, and then you got to do the next thing. It's like, if you can really compartmentalize those tasks, it makes the big uh, end thing so much easier um, It for your mind, for your, and maybe jujitsu, like a sweep is maybe the same way. Like I break it down into steps. Well, I need the underhook first. Uh, then I'm going to, you know get to this position and instead of looking at how am I going to get from here to there like that's a lot of movement and energy it's just these little steps and all of a sudden well it's pretty easy <laughs> yeah I like how it sounds like you're really good at being able to just identify that one next step and you just do that one next step and every single time it just 
then you feel like you're not in that overwhelmed space. Right. Which I think is great because I feel like what happens, and you'll laugh at this, is that, you know, a white belt comes in, uh, not really done a lot of jujitsu, and then they show you a video of, like, some, like, backwards De La Hiva twister spin hook <laughs> bullshit, whatever it is, and you're yeah. like, do you know what the guard is? Yeah. Do you even know? <laughs> Don't go there yet, <laughs> my friend. It. And it's... in. Part of me loves that enthusiasm in people. I fucking love a guy coming in, showing me some dumbass video that he's excited about yeah. or she's excited yeah. or whoever, right? I love that. But there's the other instructor part of me that wants to be like, get the fuck off Instagram <laughs> and make your way into a goddamn gym. Make yeah. your way into a gym. I always thought Nogi was stupid. Now look at me. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to do. And I remember specifically telling a jujitsu teacher one time, and I totally regret it now because it was rude. And I, I have since apologized. But I remember going to a jujitsu class or nogi. We were going to do leg locks. And I think after the class, I just was like, you know, nogi, like, nogi is kind of stupid. And leg locks are really stupid. And I really can't <laughs> stand them, which is funny now because yeah. they're literally my favorite thing to do. And I had yeah. to eat my words. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's important for newer people coming in or anyone doing jujitsu that's feeling super one trick pony. You got to look outside of it and be open minded, mm -hmm. because if you're not, you won't know what your body's made for. Because if I just look at one thing that someone's doing and say, that's all I want to do, that's going to be hard for me because everyone has so many different body types and not every situation will call yeah. for that. You, you have to expand and you have to be open minded. And I was not like that. Did you feel open-minded when you started jujitsu? Like you like felt like you could just absorb. Um, not absorb. I, I think it had to. You, I've always tried to just take like one thing away from each class, and it's like that's enough usually to get to get by. Because um, if you try to remember everything, yeah, it's it's too much. Too so much. it's like if 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 you picked up one new detail out of out of that move that day then it's like you can add that so next time you get there or next time you try it be like oh, I remember this one thing um, but you're not going to remember it all it's like those guys talking about just like basic cross collar chokes it's like Hickson's cross collar choke is like it's a black belt level mm -hmm. he's like but you learn that as a white belt and it's but your white belt cross collar choke is nowhere near as good as it could be if you made that one your one move all the way to to black belt right so there's a lot of little details that you can add each time yeah i think sometimes people think a move is boring but i think it's just because they haven't fully explored all the pieces that make it perfect right and david is a perfection artist yeah uh, that's just how he rolls ha 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 <laughs> didn't mean to made a joke <laughs> Um, but he, like, he is really good at finding the technical details in something and then like really pulling it apart and doing all those different things. And yeah. I'm more of like, uh, I grab the collar here and then I grab the collar here and then I choke. Like, I just like, <laughs> I'm a kind of a, a really basic bitch of jujitsu in the sense that like, I just like to pass. I like to take them down pass. And I just want to armbar you. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> I just, like, I have no other wants in this world just because I'm, like, it's kind of, like, feeling like a, it's, like, that's my job. Like, I got trained like a little puppy. Yeah. And that was, like, my, my puppy training. 
And now that's all I want to do. But I do, I enjoy watching other people find really funky, strange things that they like to do and do them well, though. I really think that there is value in that. But when I, when I have new students come in, I really think for them, I like them to focus on like the basics. Can you shrimp? Can you keep your guard? Can you not get swept? Like just those really basic pieces. Yes. So something, so I have two more questions for you. One being is, what is the most important piece of advice that you have received about jiu-jitsu? Applying pressure in the sense, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, how can someone David size, you know, 160 pounds, feel like he's 200 some pounds, you know? And for me to think about when I first met David, Honestly, I was I wasn't initially like impressed with his jujitsu. I I thought he was what I call it like flippy, stupid jujitsu. And I'm like, <laughs> because my professor before I m- met David was was he was very, you know, he came from a different old school top pressure. You know, you stay on top and you know you don't let them move kind of thing. And and here's this guy and he's like getting underneath you and flipping you in the air and and I'm like I don't man my professor would just crush this guy like like what is he doing like but you know come so we opened the gym here and I train under David for like six months it wasn't even six months and I think we went back there on vacation and I visited my old gym and and um, I hadn't realized but my jiu-jitsu had changed already just just in that short span of time and I was going there and like rolling with guys that I used to have a really hard time with and all of a sudden I was like I was doing David jiu-jitsu against them and it was like working and I was like taking backs and I was like but I was like everything I felt like I was doing was effortless and I'm like oh (laughs) 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 like the light bulb like what he's doing is like it works like and it's Maybe, so maybe that's like how to answer this question better is is maybe it's not the pressure but maybe it's like the details of of where to apply um, the proper technique um, just moving you know an inch or, or somewhere it and it that technique can become super powerful yeah so david's whole thing is pretty much finding the centimeters yeah right yeah and so you know finding those centimeters those are what makes you black belt i think it's it's you know the inches and and you know feet that you get to take up as a as a white and blue belt like those are great exciting times but then when you start to get into the upper belts and and all those things it's the the tiny i put my hand on the hip and it's like specifically turned like this way and that's yeah. what makes the move before it's like you would thought oh it's just this one one little thing but every time david talks about jujitsu it's always very specific mm-hmm. of exactly where you should put everything yeah and david is like that with everything right. he is a perfectionist in that sense where he like he does recipes and they're perfect yeah. like he just is that and when he teaches technique that's his style and so when I see your jujitsu and the evolution of your jujitsu as we've known you, now when I roll with you, I'm like, 
great. Now I have a fucking role with basically a baby <laughs> David. So this is going to be great. I mean, in a good way, though, right? Because, like, I can still beat you up sometimes, and yeah. that feels good for me, and I need that in my life. And it's good because it gives me a chance to play David's game, but look at it in a different way right. because it looks the same. And you're so good at it. And that's the thing I think is so awesome is, you know, when you're watching people, you watch them emulate different jujitsus, and yeah. it's really, really fun. Yeah. And so watching your jujitsu over this last year, especially, you know, David and I, We've been talking about that purple belt for a long time. It was like, <laughs> no one, it's coming. No one is going to happen. But, you know, you're a competitor and yeah. you're you're a great competitor. And I love that you are like every time we want to go out there, you know, you're you're like cool, calm, collected, <laughs> ready to go. I love that. And um, gosh, it's just been it's been, it's been so fun. So the last thing that I, I like to ask everyone, what is the single most important thing? that you would tell someone who is considering starting jujitsu? I think about this a lot and it, I think it's because I got friends that I really want to come in and do this and I know their probably biggest concern because their extracurricular activities outside of are what they do daily is is uh, you know surfing and they can't afford to injure themselves and it's like it's like this is going to help your surfing this is going to help you stay in good shape through the winter when when it gets dark at 5 p.m um just don't go crazy like come in um you know uh just take it slow um look for the proper technique um to to do things and um that's going to help you from getting injured and and tap early if if uh if somebody's got you in an arm bar there's no reason to wait for them to extend your arm till it pops it's it's uh if they've got the position it's done like you're not getting out so just tap like i i remember i've and i think everybody has to go through it maybe but you have to get it popped at least once before you realize like oh that sucks yeah <laughs> I think we all do. I mean, I mean, I don't think because that's trying what I'm trying to tell. <laughs> We're people. trying to avoid that, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, if if they've got your arm isolated and they're about to extend, then just tap right then. And I I, I do it all the time now. You know, Andrew's great with arm bars, and I know the second he's got my wrist, I'm like, I'm just tapped. I'm like, you got me, bro. He didn't have to extend. He didn't have to. And I and I walked away without getting hurt at all so and I think that's super important <clears throat> to train I you know train every night like you're going to train at 6 a.m in the morning that's yeah. what I kind of think because and there's obviously like times where you know if I'm training for a competition it might be a little bit different right I might really go for it at those times but we're talking about you know your your person coming in like it's you gotta train like you're gonna walk back in because what I find is people come in they go so hard they are so sore, then they yeah. don't want to come back. Right. And what people don't realize is even just a, a, a regular class of jujitsu that doesn't really even get you that sweaty or anything, which is really hard anyway. It's generally, <laughs> sweat happens. Yeah. But just even moving muscles you've never known that really move before, that soreness scares people so much. People are, are afraid to be in discomfort. And that's a natural thing, right? Like evolutionarily, which yeah. probably isn't a word why would I want to put myself through pain 
Like that, that doesn't really make sense, especially if then you can't function properly in the days afterwards. But that can be totally avoided by going slow, like you were saying, and taking it slow and, you know, going at your own pace. There is no one to beat but yourself in a jujitsu room, right? right? Exactly. All you have to do is come in and be better than you were the day before. Or if all you can do is come in and just exist as you are, that's good too, because sometimes just walking in the door and being present is so important and just showing up for your team. Like Jen's knee, oh my gosh, that has been terrible. And she still came in, Mm -hmm. came in and watched all the time, paying attention. And that's how her jujitsu gets so good Yeah, because she makes sure to fucking show up. Yeah, Just show the fuck up. And I'm so proud of her for that because that's where we lose people in jujitsu because they went too hard. In her case, she didn't do that, but it was like a, a a total other thing. But I get people, they come in, they go too hard, they get injured, they don't come back. Yeah. And the cycle continues. Well, it's like, it's like that consistency of just, at this time of day, I go to the gym. Yeah. And, you know, if you could do that three days a week, like commit those three days. So now you're sore one day, you don't want to maybe participate. Just go to the gym. What people it's don't like, realize is they want you there too. Yeah, they do. And, and, you know, Jen isn't upset that she was... I mean, she was probably upset she was injured and not on the mats with everybody. But everybody's still coming and saying hi and, and, uh, you know, engaging with her, which is part of the social aspect of of going into a jiu-jitsu gym. It's like, these are your friends. This is your family. These are, like, who we hang out with. You know, if I could do it five days a week, seven days a week, I would. Yeah, I know. I know. A lot of us would. I mean, David spent the first six months of his jiu-jitsu not taking one day off. Yeah. That's not an exaggeration. No, no. It's like I watched it. <laughs> I watched. I know. Dave, I knew David the gym rat yeah. before he was Professor David, like a long time ago. And it's it's pretty incredible. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast for the day. But, you know, this has been a conversation I've been looking forward to for a long time because I really wanted to hear your perspectives. I was, you know. Cool. The first, you know, purple belt here in Coos Bay. Yeah. You've got your belt here in that in the gym. You have really given a lot to this community and to us into the gym by helping us with everything. You and Jen and everyone around you have been such a support system. And I am so thankful that we happened to meet. And happen to just become friends. And, like, it's so cool to have those people in your life where you're like, oh, no, those are my people. And it's been really, really cool to have you as part of our people and part of our gym and part of what is, like, the legacy of what's going to be Northwest Martial Arts. Like, someday, you know, if we ever get around to it, we'll, we'll have children and all these other things. And they'll grow up and then we'll be old and we'll just, like still be decrepit crawling on the mat trying to get that last (laughs) round in you know i can just see us now really going for that dream of what is to be with the gym so with all of that i'd I'd like to leave it though for anything that you have to say that you want to leave anyone with and if you don't have anything that's cool too yeah i don't (laughs) you're like yeah i don't (laughs) i don't don't know if i have anything i I wish (laughs) i could think of something better to say I, i had a lot to say already. <laughs> I think you said it all. I really think you said it all. I just wanted to give you a chance just in case. Yeah. I uh, super appreciate you being here today with me. We're going to check in again later. Cool. So we'll do this again. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we have uh, the next week is Sub League. Yes. 
we're all competing or you're not competing you I'm, just got back I'm from not, costa rica yeah i've you went I've on a fancy trip kind of going back and forth with whether i was going to or not and um i talked to we decided last night that we're not going to. I think that's okay. <laughs> there's going to be plenty more coming up, right? So there's Boise at the end of March if you're into that. Then there's Grappling Industries in Portland coming up in April. And there might be a surprise heart and hustle okay. coming around is what nice. I hear. So nice. we'll see. And then Subsquatch when we yeah. get around to it. I got I to gotta start breaking in this purple belt. <laughs> I know. I know. My my old one is hanging here. As you can see, It's yeah. uh, this was my four four years how gross that is that's awesome viewers you can't see this but viewers they're not viewers they're listeners four, four years of blood sweat and tears right there yeah and probably some grime that i don't want to see again right. all right my friends we're gonna sign off here we'll see you next time And with this testing, I also like to move around just in case anything sounds weird on my body because I'm a hand talker and my arms just swim around. You should talk too. Okay, I guess. Because <laughs> I want to hear if it's testing. at the same time. Yeah, you got to hear it at the same time yeah. just in case to see what it sounds like if we talk over each other. All right. Well, uh, I'm done testing. <laughs>